You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the third format, everyone's favorite buzzsaw. Vogel fam. Hello. Hello. We brought in an expert. I didn't invite you to say anything. No, no, listen, everybody. (laughs) No, I just like to make fun of you. We brought in an expert today. In fact. Sarah and I don't know enough about Tolkien. Yeah, and that whole, like, basically mythology. Did you read the books as a kid? No, I didn't. Oh, I did. I did read the original trilogy. I, I mean, I read the trilogy, but not until... I did not read them in their entirety till I was a senior in high school. Oh, oh, okay. So I only read them as a child and then never reread them again. And I didn't even That's reread them okay. when I watched the movies. That's probably. Well, so that was. <laughs> I, I just offended our expert guests. I didn't watch the movies till I was a junior in high school. Wild. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Jamie, so we brought in an expert. Sarah, Sarah is banned from the episode. She's. <laughs> She's it's not my fault. I was. I mean, when did those movies come out? I was probably little. Anyway, and I got scared. I was scared of was Sleeping young. Beauty, of a child. See, there was no way. Well, one, my mom would have had no interest in those, but there was no way they were going to let me try to watch those. Um, I would have been terrified. So we brought in an expert, Vogel Fam, um, because neither Sarah nor I are actually an expert in Tolkien. Not even close. And we just now, I mean, if we want to talk about Marvel, I now consider myself an a, expert. A bit of an, let's, I would prefer the term aficionado. Ooh, oh. Yeah, we'll say Tolkien aficionado too. I okay. Don't, yeah, I don't know. Expert might be a, a You have not written a actual treatise on the works of, collected works of Tolkien. Right. Give him some now, time. Now Machiavelli maybe. But oh, gosh. Okay. That's All what right. this has all led to. I just want to say, this is what my life has been Pulling for the last week, is every time we talk about the show, Lord of the Rings, any of this, Jamie starts by talking about Tolkien stuff and the Cimmerillion and the whole, like, mythology and setup that Tolkien has. And then inevitably what happens is, oh, but you see this all really relates back to the prince. You need to read the prince. And I say, I don't really want to read the prince. I've tried to read them. Sarah, you just don't get it. I'm going to make you read it. I'm going to trick you. And I believe my exact, he was like, what if I find an audiobook? And I was like, if you can find an audiobook with either Benedict Cumberbatch or David Tennant reading it, I will listen. Wow. And those are my terms and conditions. So, uh, Vogel fan, we brought Sarah's husband, Jamie, in. Fact, in. The Jamie, much say faded, hi. Much faded. Hello now, I guess at the appropriate time this time. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, if you remember, Jamie's been on the podcast, I think, twice before. I want to say twice. Because Endgame. You were on the Endgame, Endgame panel. Right. The, the most out of control, wild, <laughs> that was a time rowdy. A how we made it through that episode. I don't know. Uh, we, we actually planned it. Yeah. But that was the, again, we, we don't plan it. this show. No. But that episode. We actually planned. We planned. We had a list. And everybody had the list. And everybody had the list. And at one point, Jamie tried to lawyer us. I think that's going to happen today. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have three points about why why Hallbrand should not have been Sauron? Oh, no. He was... Yeah, no. Hallbrand should have been the uh, the Witch King. But the Sauron was okay. Like, there were were hints there. You found... he, He found enough stuff to back up all of that that so there you go your whole episode has been spoiled 
Oops. If yeah, you, oh yeah, I hope you, you've seen it. <laughs> we now officially hope that you have in fact seen Rings of Power if you're listening to this episode. But also, even if you haven't, it would be almost impossible to have missed the spoilers you know, at this point. a lot point. of podcasts will put the spoiler warning before the spoiler. Well, well okay. Instead of immediately after. Okay. Well, <laughs> we will put a spoiler warning in the title of this somehow. Sure, sure. Spoiled Rotten Rings of Power. No, that makes it sound like we didn't like it. Spoiled Wonderful Rings of Power. How about how about how about Spoiled Rotten Lettuce Rings of Power? Yikes! There you go. Yikes! Wow. Little Liz trust that you can trust. I like it. I like it. A little spoiled rings. Rusty Rings of Power. Shade at the. With spoiled lettuce, you can trust. Wow. Okay. I mean, I think we're on. We can just stop right now. Anyway, fortunately, that's UK politics, and so we... we don't, I don't even have right. to know much about it. We neither. There's been no embarrassing American politics. Oh. <laughs> none. None. <laughs> Literally zero. None. So anyway, we brought Jamie in because, you know, while, while we've, we've seen the movies... Sure. Read the books. Both, both the original trilogy, Hobbit, Hobbit. We've watched the show. Indeed. You know, we've so... We've done the things. We've done the things. And I read... We both have read the books at one in point fact, in our lives. We have. We have. Did you ever read The Hobbit? Yes. I never read The Hobbit. Oh, it's good. I only read the original trilogy. It's so good. It's good. I, I actually lack even... I think it's one of the reasons that when I watched The Hobbit movies... Sure. Which I also thought could have been a movie. A movie? No. See... <laughs> no, they were... Yes, they could have been a movie. But also, if The Lord of the Rings had been nine movies instead of three, I would have been there for every one of them. Well... I definitely could argue Two Towers having been two movies. Sure. And I think Return of the King could have been two movies. I think the world I don't know that the world did not need any more exposition than than they got in Fellowship. Just kill him. Jamie's going to walk out. We're just going to hear. It's going to be like in those interviews, those montages where the people just take their little mic off and like storm out of the room. (laughs) That has always been my um, sort of qualm with Fellowship of the Rings is... And I get why they cut everything with Bombadil and all the stuff in the forests and all all of that. But it just, like, there's so much world building that happens. There's so many things that are set in that scene. And there's a lot of exposition about the ring itself that comes out there that, while not necessarily the most, like, uh, impactful to the story that's being told right then, I think it gives a lot of context to what comes out later a lot like Pippin finding the Numenorian blade in the Barrowite den um, that un- right. undoes the it, spell. And if I may, like, and if I may, some of our audience just went Tom Bomba what? Who? Tom Where? Bomba who? To Tom How? Bomba why? Numino what? Tom 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 Bomba when? Well, um, he's, he's a great character. He's got a bright blue jacket, and his boots are yellow. But if you've uh, okay. but if you've only ever watched the Peter Jackson movies... Then you would not know of Tom Bombadil. And you would be wildly confused at this you point. You would be wildly. Like, like, like by the fact that, that uh, if you have read the books, there would be certain points of the original movies that would have angered you uh, as well. So, that's not what we're here to talk about, though. We're here in to fact, talk about this TV fact, show that just aired on Amazon Prime. That I think... We can safely say we all enjoyed it, correct? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think we, we are not any of the haters. I not think here. it was um, beautifully shot. Oh, my gosh. Stunning. Stunning. I, I actually think that they did a good job of unfolding the story the way they did. Like, I, same. From a, from a uh, I think some people, one of the, like, I think not, like, hate, 
but like criticisms that I heard was that people were upset that it was slow, 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 slow. So much happened in episode seven. Mm-hmm. Sure. Eight was gut wrenching, and then it, the resolution was too fast. Sure. Oh, but it's not even like over. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, it's. I, 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 I wonder though if people realized it was actually going to be multiple seasons. I wonder that too. Also, like, how very Tolkien to spend the majority of your first season not doing anything? Just exposition. exposition, exposition, exposition. And then right at the end, because that's how I felt reading the first book is like all of a sudden you're like, it's happening, it's happening, and then boom. It ends. I felt like that watching the first Hobbit movie where I was watching it, I was like, okay, we're getting in the action. Woo, woo. And then boom, the credits rolled. I was like, oh my gosh. So we'll give a little credit to this this show that it did um, outstream the finale of House of Dragon. Did it? The finale outstreamed. That's shocking. But that did not include all the people who on HBO watched House of Dragon live on HBO. uh, So we need to kind of kudos to Amazon for outstreaming HBO for the streaming viewership. But if you combine that with viewership uh, who watched it live on HBO. We won't mention that then. uh, No, No need. To disparage, uh, and and uh, I don't think Sarah and I will will be uh, reviewing House of Dragon because probably not. Neither I, of us I have don't watched know it. If that, well, and I don't know if that's the content we usually. Uh, well, sure. I actually neither of us have watched Game of Thrones for that matter. No, I have not. I read the books, friends. I read the books. I actually read the book that House of the Dragon is based is based on. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly, there's so much that happens with all the Targaryens that. When the show started airing, like, I, I just didn't even try to avoid spoilers or anything like that. Like, I was literally like, what happens to these people? Like, it doesn't mean that I recall what happens to the numerous because tar- there's just so many. Okay, so, Jamie, give us some background here yeah. with this show. Mm-hmm. Presuming that you're still listening and you've watched this show. In fact. Give us some background on the Cimmerillion and, and like, where they drew some of this source material from. Absolutely. And that's, um, that's kind of an interesting... Uh, note that should probably be mentioned early on is I don't believe Amazon had full rights to the Cimmerillion, so they're somewhat limited with the source material that they can use. And so it looks like there's some changes and some cuts of how they presented the story and how it unfolded that is different from what the sort of original source material would be, probably because they didn't have those copyrights. that, that they would have needed to discuss that. But so essentially the Cimmerillion is um, the creation mythology of Middle-earth that Tolkien like went back and, and, and he's, he's written to carry us up from the beginning of time up through uh, essentially the defeat of Sauron in Mordor where he loses the One Ring. And so it's... It, it's a very interesting combination of like Christian mythology and Greek mythology. It's a, it's a combining of the two. You have the one being that was in the beginning, and he brings into being the Ainur, which are these angels. And his name, and this is a, a thing that Tolkien does well, but it's somewhat frustrating, is he will name a character and then he will immediately start calling it something different. So it's <laughs> this guy's name is Eru, 
Also, everybody calls him Iluvatar. So from here on out, we're only going to refer to him as Iluvatar, except sometimes we'll also call him Arrow. And so it's kind of difficult to remember. And he does this with almost every character, including those in most the famously, Rings. probably Gandalf. Correct. Um, sure. You know, uh, who has his other names and Strider. Aragorn. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's this is not an uncommon thing for sure. for Mith- Sorry, Gandalf, Mithrandia, Strider, Aragorn. I mean, it. You know, and so that's something that can be a little off-putting if you're sort of a ca- like, if you are coming to it for the first time, or if you're a casual fan, that can be something that's difficult to keep up with is the differing of the names. But so you have um, that Ilavatar, who is the uh, the source of power, the the god type character. And he creates all these other gods, and it's really, it's very interesting, and it's poetic and beautiful, even though it reads like a dry history textbook. Um, yeah, it's not a page turn. It is not. It is difficult to get through. I actually, I read through it once in high school, and then more recently listened through it on the audiobook, and the audiobook is much easier because you don't find yourself like losing focus and rereading the same thing multiple times. But so, like, there's multiple references that Halbrand, who we later find out is Sauron, makes that, you know, when Morgoth was defeated, he felt the connection back to the light, to the one. So that's going to be your your initial god character, Ilavatar. Um, but then again, that he was he was awake before the first before the silence was broken, and so you have that period before anything has happened before Ilavatar creates into being the Ainur, and then once they're created, he starts to sing. And his singing, the song introduces, like, all the ideas that are going to become, the like, Middle Earth and the universe and his plan for everything. And he teaches each of the angels their part. And they learn their part, but they don't know anybody else's part, and nobody knows the full plan, but they're all singing together and it's beautiful and it's happy and it's majestic. The angels being Maiar in this case. I'm using angels to refer to the the, the Aenor, I believe I'm saying that correctly, who who later become the Valar and the Minar. And so got you've got greater and lesser angels. Okay. And that's what they're called once they go down to Middle Earth. And we'll try to kind of zoom through this. Um, but then you have Melkor, who is, you know, your your Satan figure, your antagonist, who will later become Morgoth. And Melkor is impatient for the plan. He wants new things to create. It's all a void and they're just singing. And so he goes off and explores the void and comes up with his own ideas of how things should be. And he starts to sing. He starts to make his part of the song louder. He wants it to be more um, he wants more power. He wants more recognition. He wants a bigger part in the story. And that's where the screaming goats come in. That's where the screaming <laughs> goats come in. Sorry. And he introduces discord. And it's like this dissonant that's painful in the music. And so the whole plan has to stop. And Ilvatar creates a second theme incorporating that discord. And it's beautiful. But now it is like the underlying theme is that it's sad. It is a sad beauty. It's a broken, fallen world, even though it will ultimately be redeemed. And so that's all very 
very Christian esque in yeah 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 in the background sure. there you know the word being spoken or the world being spoken. I mean, anyone who's familiar with Judeo Christian sure just basic went, beliefs like would literally when Jamie was telling me the all parallels. this earlier this week, he said Melkor. And I was like, oh, is that going to become Morgoth? Because I hear Melkor, I think Melkior, and, like, this is something we hear over and over. And so then you have all the angels have been taught, you know, what their part is going to be in creation. They're instrumental in bringing things into being. And the, the world is created, and Melkor goes down to dominate, to subjugate, to sort of pervert the creation into something that will worship him. Um, and so a branch, a branch, several of the the angels that were with Ilvatar go down to the world and they become the Valar and the Maiar. And so they, they leave heaven and go down to Middle Earth. Um, and from there you sort of get like the Greek pantheon mythology. They have your wind god, your sea god, your gods of different sure different types of things um who are we good okay you have your gods of the different elements and the different things and they create um they create the world according to it gets more to what they they know in the song and it gets great i mean they live on top of a tall mountain and um i mean as the gods would as as gods would right and they're separated from the rest of creation you have one god who's uh, sort of the smith god who delights in uh, creation and creating things big, small, everything like that, who actually, the character that Sauron is, does not originally start off as a servant of Morgoth. He starts off working with the smith god. And, like, that's Sauron's... So he wasn't lying right. when he said he had trained as a smith. Like... He had trained as a smith under the god of smiths, and... His whole the way he fell and became corrupted is he wants order, he wants perfection, and he realizes that, you know, those people out there they can't figure it out themselves how to become perfect, so he should just step in and show them and tell them how to do. So that. what you're saying uh-huh. for listeners to this show uh-huh. is that Sauron is really just Ultron. This is what I'm hearing. <laughs> right, right, yeah. This yeah. is what I'm hearing. Basically. Right. So basically, hot Sauron is really just James Spader. So did this is this is where I've got this is where I've got. Question to. being there, did the person who wrote that Marvel storyline, did they read the Cimmerillion? <laughs> there you go. I'm sure had there been the internet, Sauron would have searched it and immediately <laughs> been like, Earth must be destroyed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sauron on the internet. <laughs> I Woo! mean, you know, I mean, this seems all seems uh like we're telling the same story over and but over I again. But I did love how that tied in, like. With Sauron having literally studied under the smith, whatever type of thing he was, we'll call it God just for this, um, having studied with that, so that all of a sudden you get to Rings of Power and like, yeah, it totally makes sense that he would have all this knowledge to be able to aid the elves in making these rings and all of the, like, it makes sense as opposed to, okay, but why, how, why does he know how to make this work? So let's talk about some 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 things about this season with with this kind of background of of all this. I mean, so obviously, so when the elves keep talking about the Valar, mm-hmm. this has kind of been what you've been describing, right? Correct. It's that Greek pantheon is the best way to put up with. You got your Zeus kind of people, your Neptune, your Hades. They're all represented there somehow, and they're 
the Valar have this perfect island, um, and that's where the elves, like, some of them still live there. The elves that cross the sea to go to the Undying Lands, that's where they're talking about, is the Valar. Which is where uh, Frodo and Gandalf go at the end of correct. Return of yeah. the Yeah. That is correct. And it's where Galadriel literally was like, yeet, goodbye, no, nope. no thanks. Well, Galadriel still had her purpose. Sure. Um, okay, so let's talk about some characters from this season. Who, who did we enjoy? Who did we kind of be annoyed with? Uh, I'm really hoping Waldreg is just dead. <laughs> Waldreg was quite possibly my least favorite character. I have a burning hatred for that oh, man. All right, all right, now. Um, so right, there's no. that, personally. Hated him. I, I really liked most all of the characters. Um, my favorite thing about this season has been uh, the dwarves. There are a lot of dwarf characters in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, but there's I believe that this is the first time that we see a female dwarf get screen time in a book or a show um, Significant, or yeah. a movie. I don't. I, I think she. Might I be think the she first might be the first to one on screen. You're, I think you're right. I, I could be. I'm trying to think of anything somebody. in The Hobbit, but I, 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 I think you're right. And, and a large a cool part character. of that falls that we never go to. And that the second point of this, we never go to any dwarf cities, cities that are populated and current. Like they go to. Um, uh, they go to the Lonely Mountain, and they yeah. go to the kingdom there. They go to Moria and Khazad-dûm, but it's a ruin. And so we never see any dwarf culture, never see really any large amounts of dwarf people besides, you know, the Gimli or the, the few that go with sure. Bilbo. So that has been the coolest thing to me. I loved... You like Disa? Uh, oh, yeah, I love Disa. But then I also love just the city of of Khazadum that later becomes the Mines of Moria and having it like when you see it in Fellowship and it's dark and it's gloomy and cavernous and it's you know it's fearful because of all the bad things that have crept in and then to see it like how it was with the dwarves and it's not just like beautiful stonework they have like bright lights and plants and flowers like it's all these like life and beautiful things that they've created before like they became corrupted and then overthrown so that was really neat sure um sure i think one of my favorite characters of this season i was not anticipating being as impressed by galadriel as i was i loved galadriel i loved galadriel i also liked little nori she's cute well i mean all this to say of course that you know being interested in the kind of characters that I'm interested in. Sure, sure. Obviously, the stranger was my favorite character of the sure. season. Sure, not surprised at all. No one listening to this show is surprised. Did did Hallbrand rank? Uh, well, yes. Once Hall, he became Hall, Sauron? No, actually, I was kind of more interested in Hallbrand before, before? I knew he was Sauron, actually. Oh. See, my interest really just skyrocketed. Do you know who Nerdist had predicted that he was going to be? Who? The king of the army of the dead. I had seen that, um... Uh, that was that was that was a popular theory that was around episode five or six sure, or so sure. that was that was going around, uh, kind of after he rode out of Numenor. Right. Yeah, and we're all like, well, okay. Except well, when you really identify yourself as the one true king of the Southlands. Oh yeah. Come as on, soon folks. as that, you're like, oh, come on, folks. Oh. And that's one of Sauron's things is that repeatedly in the Cimmerillion, like he. 
he identifies himself as as the Lord of Men, like I said, like the enslaver of of men. Um, he Which, never really directly contends with the elves because he's not really like he wouldn't be able to do that. But with men, he can contend with and corrupt more so. so. Right. You know. If, so you know, thinking about uh, the stranger, this is one character that we actually did not find out. Mm-hmm. L- legitimately, who he is. Yeah, we know we he got is. a very big hinting with the whole smell line. Yes. Follow for, your nose. Follow your nose. You know, absolutely. Feels like, yeah. We know he is some type of, what What was the word they used? The Istar. Istar. The well, oh, yeah. Istar. Istar. Or Istar. Which um, means wizard. And right? They said that means they wizard. Said, yeah. uh, I saw one theory, and I can't remember if this was Nerdist or something else. If it was comicbook.com or, or who it was. But that the two travelers at the beginning of the movie, or beat movie, of the <laughs> show, mm-hmm. Who almost stumble upon the hobbits? Right. Sure. Might be the two blue wizards who we never meet in oh, the mainstream things really cool. that we've had so far. Right. Um, there's another course popular theory that actually believes that the stranger is in fact Saruman. Right. Yeah, I could That's see a if they were trying to go for another red herring kind of moment. I could see if my thought there is mostly that. If Hallbrand had not been Sauron, and someone more obvious had been Sauron, I would have been more likely to believe that the stranger was Saruman, but it feels like a cheap trick to do twice. Like, once you do it twice, it becomes a cheap trick. But also, if the direction you're going is, we basically told you that that Hallbrand was Sauron this whole time, we're basically telling you that this character is Gandalf. Correct. Sure. One of the other things, too, is that even though when we've, when we're first introduced to the characters um, in the Lord of the Rings, Sauron is the the sort of the high, the, the more powerful wizard, the head of it. That's not how it was originally supposed to be. Mithrandir, I believe, was the one who was there earlier and who was supposed to, who was assumed who would take leadership of the Council of Wizards, but he don't like. Once Sauron had been defeated, he still was like worried about the presence, but he didn't. Want power. Devote himself maniacally to the study of Sauron, but Saruman did, and that's ultimately how Saruman was corrupted. Was corrupted, but he saw an opportunity that he could devote himself to the study of the enemy and increase value and supplant Gandalf as the leader of the wizards. Um, On the Saruman that. connection, mm-hmm. do we know if the seeing eye from Numenor is the one that Saruman ends up with? So. Huh. We don't know if that's the same one. At some point in the next few seasons, um, Numenor will fall. I right. I only well, sure, we all assume sure. right. So, not to spoil too much. And obviously, they may change some things up. But at some point, Numenor will will go through what's called the Great Armament. They will have a leader come to power who decides to sort of colonize, become an imperial power. Um, One assumes this is Elendil, no? It's not Elendil. Or, well, think it's it was Elendil. The guy with the black and gray hair that I said, he's like he's got to be evil in the end at some point because they gave him so the villain that is, hair. That is how... He has a lot of hair. In the Cimmerillion. He has the villain hair. Haven't you ever noticed in like that old... That comes around. Old if I movies. may, he has baritone hair. 
Baritone's a great. He never stood a, a chance. Voice Thank you, Baritone. I saw his hair. I, I was love like, you. Oh, this I love all guy. you, Baritones. I'm speaking as a tenor. I love all of you. So you have. I would never stab any of you on stage. Anyway, Baritone. I think is his name, and he takes sort uh, of a blasphemous title, and he becomes Al Farazan, which means the Lord of the West. Um, and so he takes essentially the title that their god, or that the god Uh-oh. of the Valar uses, and he calls himself like that's a bold the Lord. move, right? And so he Let's see how that didn't turn out well. Sort of does an arms race, and Numenor gets super powerful, and there will be some battle where they will actually defeat and capture Sauron. Farazon, right? Farazon, correct. Played by Tristan Gravel. And so they will capture Sauron and take him back, and sort of to be almost you know humiliating to him. But then Sauron corrupts, deceives, becomes an advisor to Alpharazon and convinces him to go attack the home of the gods. And so at that point, Numenor will fall, it will be reclaimed into the sea, and Sauron will be caught up in it, and he will no, from there on after, he will no longer be able to assume a fair form. So up till now, like, that's... Sauron. Sauron. What did I say? No, you said it. Okay. I was just making sure I was understanding correctly. So Sauron will survive it, and up until now, that's some of the things that we know about Sauron is that he is the deceiver, the gift giver, and he can take on different forms. And from those forms, that's how he, um, you know, partially deceives people. But after the fall of Numenor, he will only be able to take a terrible visage, a, you know, fear-inspiring evil look. Well, I bet that was very helpful for Galadriel. It was. Getting over any lingering feelings. There you go. Just saying. Definitely some... Uh, there was some chemistry there. Some chemistry. There was some chemistry. Uh, it was a real surprise. Because uh, t- my family and I have been watching... This, sorry, this is off topic, Vogel fam. My family and I have been also keeping up with Quantum Leap. Because I loved the show when uh, it was originally sure, on. Sure, sure. So we've been keeping up with the new Quantum Leap. They, they have basically set it up that the guy who is leaping, Ben Song, Dr. Ben Song, his wife, fiance, excuse me, is actually like the, the, the hologram who can talk to him in different time periods, fiance. And so like Cute. the two of them have no chemistry. It is, like, is, it is like watching two people who really kind of dislike each other kind of try to be kind to each other who and they're supposed to be into each other That's and so I unfortunate. just but but Galadriel and Sauron they it was that was pretty mutual that was pretty mutual which is very interesting I'm curious to see what what will happen this is one of the um one of the ways this has differed from the Silmarillion and that Galadriel is married in this time period to... I mean, she's married in the show. She's deceased. Or uh, widowed. Well, well so that's we the think thing. he's she's, deceased. We think oh. he's deceased. I'm not convinced he's dead. We never saw so his body. He gets captured and is somewhat tortured. And I, I sort of see that as a what, final nail in the coffin between the two. Like, she will find out that Sauron had knowledge that her husband was alive and being tortured and never... You know, never conveyed that. Um, yeah, well, because I would be, be the... very surprised if they completely cut. Oh gosh, whoever uh, Elrond marries, oh. well, it's Gladriel's kids. I'd be shocked if they completely cut that out of the series. Um, one of my other favorite characters, though, of this season. Yeah. Celebrimbor. Oh, he's cool. That was cool. I thought that was handled very, very well. 
I have thoroughly liked Celebrimbor. I've, I've, I really also because my favorite personal character was Elrond, but Celebrimbor was really Hel- interesting. Yes. Con- I was surprised. I was surprised. Fascinating. I what love- what drew you to Elrond? So I've always liked Elrond and well, the, sure. uh, the lo- the lore and in the movies and stuff. And I thought it was very interesting. You have so in, by the time of the Fellowship, he is really the chief elf left on Middle Earth, kind right? Of. And at this point. He is definitely not. And so at some point over these seasons, we will see him transition to Elrond Half-Elven, who cannot even be invited to a council to decide what we're going to do about tree leaves, to (laughs) Elrond, King of Rivendell, who will have the most famous council of all time where we decide what to do with the One Ring of Power. And so sort of seeing him navigate as this, like, He's an elf, but he's a half-elf, which is lesser and looked down on, and how he uses political savvy. I was going to say, he's very silver tongue, like I, quite a diplomat, I felt like, through this series, and I, I enjoyed watching that. So what I'm understanding is he is Hermione Granger. Was she not half? half? So, she's not right. half. She, she's, she's a, a full, full oh. muggle. Wait, who's the one I'm thinking of? Wasn't one of them? Uh, didn't so one Harry of, and Voldemort were both half Oh, that's right. Basically, oh, so Elrond, so so okay, so Elrond is Harry Potter. Is this yeah. is what you're telling me. Very good, but El- you know, Elrond would be a great Voldemort too. Anyway, well, and didn't you say you felt like the show Elrond was almost more true to book Elrond? Yes, that's the other thing that was kind of interesting when you see elves portrayed in the um, the Peter Jackson movies. Is it they're portrayed sort of as Vulcans? Like yes, logic very, very much. Is the rule, you know, we are higher beings and we're logical, but like the way Tolkien writes them, I mean, the first time we see elves in Fellowship, Sam and Frodo run into a group of them and they're, you know, drinking wine, singing songs, laughing, telling like love stories, all this stuff. When they get to Rivendell and they have the council, Elrond gets so worked up about Pippin going with them because he sees this little child hobbit and he's like, it would break my heart and kill me to send this thing with them. I will keep him here or I'm going to send him back to the (laughs) hobbit and I can't let him go to Sauron and like weeps because of it. And it's not until Gandalf like kind of talks to him that they all go. And so there's all this emotion that is pent up in the elven race that like doesn't come across in a lot of the film but I thought, you know, the first time you see Elrond here, like, he smiles from ear to ear as, like, my friend Galadriel's coming home and runs off to go meet her. And so I think that, like, the best dialogue that I've seen from this show has either been between Elrond and Galadriel or Elrond and Doran the Fourth. Oh, the, those so scenes were great. In I fact. have really liked the humanizing aspect of Elrond, who will become, you know, the elf lord that's always reserved later. Sure. But Yeah, no. One of my least favorite characters of the entire season. Sure. Is Sildor. Yeah. Oh, what a little wuss. (laughs) He's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. The worst. What a disappointment. The worst. At, like, Elendil. Are you telling me that Aragorn comes from this guy's veins? I don't believe it. Sildor's best friend. I don't believe it. I like him. Honestly, wouldn't maybe a Sildor really just is dead, and his best friend's gonna take Becomes his name? A maybe his dad just adopts him, and he goes, "You're a Sildor now," and that would honestly make more sense. It, it would is. make me believe it more. But you know what? Apparently, this show's gonna be all about arcs for people, and boy, have they set a Sildor up for a big one! You because 
It's right? Like, the boy who is on the boat and is just like, ah, I let go. Like, what? <laughs> I didn't know they'd kick us all off. Okay, Isildur. Okay. No, Isildur was a huge disappointment, especially as much as I loved Elendil. Like, loved he, Elendil. Loved Elendil. He was great. But... You'll have you know you talk about arcs and there is a good arc at what point I think like Isildur will have his his moment of like I've been a screw up and I can't I don't have anything that I believe in and that I would be willing to work for and during the fall of Numenor whenever that occurs he does something super heroic um, at great personal risk and rescues like the last um, the last trace. Of, of Valinor that's left on Middle Earth and prevents it from being destroyed, oh. and he takes that, and that's what becomes the White Tree Very of Gondor, cool. which gives like all this hope to the future. Huh. And so it's from there on out that I, I think that up till that point he may be kind of a. I mean, a literally, like the horse like bonds with him and stuff, and I'm like, you don't deserve that horse. <laughs> that horse is too. The horse is better than you. <laughs> horse goes back to him, and I'm like, ah. Do you think that by the end of this show, by the by the by the conclusion, sure, that we'll we'll have a young elf named Legolas by the end of the show, <laughs> uh, just to make push. just to just, just for fan just service, for fan. Just for fan not for not because of Tolkien lore and actual accuracy. You know, it probably depends on the reception of the next few seasons. You're probably right. right. <laughs> Do you think we'll get a big time jump? That's something we've talked about. I don't know that there will be a big time jump because they have already kind of muddled the timelines. So Isildur should not be alive right now. Right. Um, With him being alive, he now has to live until the battle with Sauron. So I don't think we can have a thousand year time jump and expect that, oh, he's still, you know, he's still alive and Elendil's alive. He's dead and Elendil (laughs) and the queen have a new baby boy that they name Isildur too. Who is not a wimp? Who's not not a a wimp. I don't actually think that's what's going to happen, but... uh, But, I mean, would we be mad about it? I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset based on current Isildur's life choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it feels I, like maybe they're just going to, like, just compress here, it. Just here, be like, oh, this all actually happened in 200 years. Surprise! So, what do we think about... Uh, I'm looking for the other right name so I don't say the wrong name. What do we think about Bronwyn and Arendir? Like, I love and, Bronwyn. And, and where are we going with that? I don't know. Sadness. That's what he's literally like. They happen, and I'm like, I love them. Jimmy goes, I wouldn't get attached. <laughs> I was so upset. I was so, and so every episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna die. It's gonna happen, but they're still here, guys. They're still here. So, which is you a know, surprise. Those are new characters who were not in um, yeah. previous works, but the human elf pairing is. Always doomed. Always for. doomed. Um, and the the two that Yikes. would have happened before would have been uh, Varian and Luthien, and they end horribly tragically. And then there's another one with I think one of the sons, maybe two or and another elf. But regardless, all all of the sort of all of those pairings have typically gone gone really bad in flames. That's unfortunate. So I would expect a Rogue One type ending where they do oh. something great and then die horribly for Oof. it. But, I'm but more, I could be wrong. I'm more concerned about Theo. I just don't know, like, is he going to be evil? Is he going to be good? I don't know, guys. Well, I don't know who. I feel like he's the one we need to watch. 
he certainly is one that needs to watch. Um, because he could become a Nazgul. He doesn't seem important enough. I was to be going given to say, but he does could he get there. They just lost their king. He he could become more important. Like what well, I sort they, of see is, if you remember from the third from um, Return of the King, that the envoy who comes out of Mordor to treat with Aragorn and Gandalf is the mouth of Sauron, and it's this ancient Numenorian who has forgotten his name and who, like, speaks on behalf of Sauron, and that person should be alive right about now. Ooh! <laughs> That's Interesting. Yeah. And so... I could see something like... Cause maybe it's Waldrick. Maybe I, it's Waldrick. Oh, oh, God. We could keep I, him alive forever. <laughs> Sarah, you're never getting your wish. I, Waldrick's going to live on through all of this. I hate that character so much. Like, I got so upset. I got so upset the episode where all the people, they they have the battle with the Southland, in the Southlands, and they realize they've just killed all their friends and family who betrayed them. That was heartbreaking to me on so many yeah. levels. Mm-hmm. Best scene of the season, Galadriel and Sauron in the mind battle. Woo! I loved it. Right? Oh. That was I mean, at least yes. one of the best scenes of the season. It was on it like it was definitely up there. I'm I loved that. Scene. Yeah, that was pretty it great. It was so That's pretty great. Fast no, was... To have these two just very powerful characters that sure like would have had a cool battle like they could have had them just straight up fight and it still would have been cool but like so much cooler him going into her mind and like tempting her and I've heard people say like oh he never intended like he never intended to make her be what he said like that was just another lie he would have just killed her or whatever but I choose to believe that Nah, that was that was an actual offer of temptation because it would have made. I think my thing that I've decided this of this portrayal of Sauron is he is an opportunist. He like he has a lot of different plans, and if something pops up that he can use for to better his situation, he just goes with it. Mm-hmm. He just goes with it, and so like yeah, it would make it a lot easier easier to deceive people to convince people if he has Galadriel, this fair beautiful elf woman that everybody who meets her just freaking falls in love with her like let's be real i feel like every man we saw interact with galadriel 100 percent fell in love with her on the spot i mean i think that's pretty, let's that's, be honest that woman is not hard on the eyes that's the history of just galadriel in a nutshell speaking as a human and like she you know was over there and found her like people are gonna look at her and trust her and whatever and therefore trust him more like it makes sense just like when Gladriel's on the raft and she's like, they go to Numenor and he's like, this could work. But then she's like, oh, we need to take them to the Southlands. He's like, that could work. Any of this could work for my purposes. So um, I don't remember where I was going with that other than sorry. So by the end, we end up with three rings. Mm-hmm. In fact. For the elves. Three rings for the elves. Already forged. They're there. So do we think that this will be a season for each race? That could make sense. Um, the the rings of power, the sixteen for men and dwarves, they're forged but not given out at the same time. So so they get forged in a region, um, and eventually Sarum will have to like capture the city. At which point he will give out the rings. So. I don't know that we'll have like season two be the forging of the seven dwarf rings. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, season three be the, the men. 
but it very well could be. Um, It'd be a good setup. It would be. A, it, it would be, it'd make a lot of sense from a storytelling perspective yeah. because that's one of the things that the Silmarillion is light on is sort of the details of what goes on in this time period. Um, you know, you just find out that Mordor is kind of there one day, uh-huh. and so like they had some leeway and to how they sense. wanted to do it. More, one day there was not Mordor, and the next day there was kind of Mordor. In fact, it said so on the screen. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah just, literally just Mordor. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's true. That's but just you know that's they they didn't there, really there could have been ways that that would have been more subtle. Well, and that's, that's all right. That's but it's funny though because it helped because that happened and I we literally had paused it because I was like oh well that becomes Mordor because <laughs> we were watching it with Jamie's brother and his wife. And Will, his brother, was like, "Oh no, I don't think so. It doesn't make sense for it to be there." If you look, I'm like, "Nah, this is this has got to be Mordor." And then I pulled up a map, and I'm like, "See, like this totally fits." He's like, "It's too far south." And then that happened, and I was like, "Huh? Is Mor- Mordor? I can't argue with that." Well, and that my one complaint with the show was the whole plot line around the sword. The, the first four episodes revolving around yes. that sword that Theo finds, and it seems to have some of Sauron's power. It seems to be like the ring. It makes you possessive. Um, it gives some sort of nondescript power to the wielder, and it really was sort of fueling my idea that it would be what kind of creates the original like witch king um, that gives you power to yes. roll men and like it's it's built up as this one thing and it sort of felt like the most recent Star Wars trilogy where the each movie is written by a different person and they don't mesh and it's just the person who wrote last got to figure out what he wanted it to be it did it did I will say yes it felt like I literally it's funny we were watching quantum leap last night and mm-hmm. I was like oh the writers didn't know what they wanted to do with that thing right and I literally <laughs> made that I, I literally like we're five episodes in and I was like oh they they had no idea what they because they've already changed like one of the key protocols that they had set up with the project right and that's how I felt with the sword too I was like uh they got in the writer's room, and by episode five, they went, well... This doesn't work. <laughs> well, that's Maybe not what we're doing. Maybe it's a key. And so that's, that's, that's sort of the, the biggest complaint that I have of the show is, like, it's exactly like you said. Why didn't Sauron just leave a giant metal key for somebody? You know, hold this, keep it safe for me, I'll come back and get it. Why does it have to be a sword that works with blood and makes you possessive of it? Like... It's just kind of weird. It's like I think it would make people value it more. It's a lot easier to lose a key. You tell me to keep a key, I'm gonna be like, oh, okay. But then if it feels like you're not coming back, where? Why do I care so much about keeping this key safe and protecting it and losing track? Whereas you know it's gonna be really easy to find because you're gonna hear rumors about this magical, powerful sword. That's fair. If I may, also though, I think the most intriguing point about the sword that. Still, I don't know, maybe it will still come back into play somehow, mm-hmm. is that the sword itself is indestructible, seemingly. Yeah. Correct. Who was... I, was, I don't like know. Like the ring. Deer tried to destroy it. It was right. probably one of y'all that I was talking to about this. I brought this point up. You brought it up yes. that it, you thought like it was going to be... Come well, I question ring. whether or not that sword will still be melted down and actually and be what the substance of the ring is. I mean, I think that could be a really interesting turn for it, which means Waldrug probably is still rolling around out there. <laughs> I, Sarah is very upset about I this vocal really, fam. 
I guess I just channeled all my hatred for anything. Like, who knows? Maybe I disliked other things in the show and I just didn't know it, but I just channeled it all (laughs) into Waldrug. And just never died. He's probably, he's probably still out there. He probably is. Uh, That's upsetting. Anyway, but I would say overall I'd probably give it a 9.5 out of 10, something like that. Yeah. I thought it was pretty great. I I really, really enjoyed it so much more than I expected. Like I didn't have any particular expectations going into this show. Well, it cost them so a much money. fortune to make. So I mean, much I money. forget what the actual – I want to see if the number's in here. But like, I mean, so much. And to be completely honest, I feel like they probably could have made it for cheaper, and I would have enjoyed it just the same. Like, Amazon was expected to spend a billion dollars making the season. That is bonkers to me. A billion dollars. And it was incredibly expensive, but. It's such a valuable IP that, like... I mean, it is a very valuable IP. Certainly, certainly. The rights cost them $250 million. Oh, my god! They gave the Tolkien estate $250 million. Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. But... The forging sequence was shot at... 5,000 frames a second on a Phantom Flex 4 in ultra slow motion. Wow. That's That's very cool. So that's wild. It was just, it was very enjoyable, but I'll be curious to see if they can spend that amount of money with the whole like streaming stuff and everything being what it is. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see if we see something of a budget reduction for future ones. Could be. I don't know. I don't Who know. Knows? I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see. Interested to see if, like, at Comic Con, we get like an announcement of like how many seasons we're gonna get. Sure. I saw, I saw something that I thought said five, um, but I don't know if that's. I feel like I five that. might be one too many for this show. Well, I agree. Like, I thought forging. I guess you could do. Let me see if ring any. like. You could do your elf rings, your dwarf rings, your men rings, your, your one ring, and then you could even take it through that war. Through the battle. Through the yeah. battle, like, I guess. I, I like mean, that does make sense. It does. I, I kind of think four seasons would be, personally, what and I would be. I think four th- seasons in a movie. I or? think three would be real tight and maybe, maybe too little, but... Boy. It's hard to say. Just with the way they're doing the storytelling. where it's Well, particularly only eight episodes. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I loved I loved it so much more than I anticipated. Well, and I think um, one of the things I'm super excited about for the next season, what I would love to see, is that you have you have Sauron who is the deceiver and who they know he's they know oh, he's bad yeah, at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But you know he's going to go back and he's going to influence Celebrimbor further and sort of further corrupt the the future rings that come out. But what I would love to see is that we have um, whoever the actor, and I forget his name, who plays Halbrand, like... Charlie Vickers. When Charlie Vickers is used, we know that Sauron, we know that, like, he's doing things probably wiping out Adar in, Mor- in Mordor and consolidating power in there. But at the same time, like, I would love it to become where any new character that is introduced, like, we immediately become suspicious, is this Sauron in another form? Because that yes. is how he spread influence, is he went and he tricked, he gave, he was Sauron the gift giver, he would come and bring knowledge and gifts 
and corrupt. And it wasn't until they had their first interaction that they realized Sauron's bad. But once they start having those interactions, each race becomes suspicious of outsiders. They divide, they break off contacts with other people, kind of like what you're seeing now, even though you have certain members trying to forge those relationships, but they really isolate. And that's how he's able to sort of assume and consolidate power. And so I would love it if as the characters are feeling isolated, as they're feeling like, I don't know if I can trust this outsider. Can I give them aid? Can I help them? Or is it Sauron? Like, I would love us also to be guessing, oh gosh, that guy brought a gift. Like, is that Sauron? And that we sort of feel the same feelings that they're having as they're trying to figure out who to trust and who not. Well, sure. it will be an exciting thing. I don't know when the next season will be. I'm guessing. Same. I'm kind of, if I had to put my money on something, I'm going to say early 2024. Um, but that is a mm. guess. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be a year from now. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't really have a sense. Um, yeah, I don't. Okay, know. Sarah, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, gosh, what did I have for, oh, it was Greek yogurt and granola. I had to really think about that for Lovely. a second. Lovely. Perfect right? for fall. It's good. It's good. It was good. Do some cinnamon in there. Great. Great time. Great time. Uh, well, Vocal Fam, I, I also finished. Uh, I am now caught up with, I think, one episode to go on uh, this season of Star Trek uh, Lower Decks. And oh, if my I just gosh. May, Is that out? If I just may say, I think Star Trek Lower Decks is the pinnacle of any current Star Trek. I it didn't is, know the new season was out. It is so phenomenally written. Like, I think they just literally... The writers who actually really truly care about Star Trek, they put them all on that series. Sure, sure. And and because of course in an animated show you can literally do anything, anything, anything. with the no budget or the same budget. Same you know, budget. I mean. So uh, I just I'm I am wildly impressed by I everything mean, that happens you know on Lower what Decks. We're doing this week, Jamie. There we go. We're watching Lower Decks. Um, I think the tenth episode is going to be the final one of this season. I think there's one more. I, I watched episode Fabulous. nine this afternoon. Well, then I'm um, sure that's what we'll be watching. Have you been keeping up with Andor? We didn't watch this week's episode okay. yet. I forgot. I slept my way through the first three episodes I of Andor you, you last really Sunday. Like like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. The first three, like we watched them, and I was like, well, I, "I get why they had to release three to get you mm-hmm. interested at all." Holy cow! Around was, four, it started to pick up because we didn't start watching until four episodes. It were was out. rough. It gets better. It's it's not my favorite, Golly. but it definitely gets better. Well couldn't get much worse no it was those first few were i was i was bored oh my gosh i was so bored and i felt terrible because i had been so excited i was bored out of my mind mm-hmm. um all right vocal fam listen i hope you're doing well out there in october um yeah. and that you uh, are, are are making it sarah and i will be back with you on friday with elizabeth benson in fact talk about her book on teaching ccm styles uh, and then, um, you know, we're just trying to hold on for dear life because we've got two productions in the next two weeks. We're in a race for the end. So, no uh, pressure. and then I go to Region Nats and then we come back and we do some little women auditions. It's four crazy weeks right in front of us. Really is. Uh, going into uh, Thanksgiving break. So, woo. <laughs> okay, vocal fam, we're out. Peace. Bye. Hey, Jamie, thanks oh, yeah, for joining thanks us. For oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Us. Thank you for uh, providing some expert Tolkien. Right. Uh, I uh, felt so. I was like I was on PBS or something. Commentary. It was excellent. All right. Peace out, vocal fam. Bye.